Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Primal Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, and anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have Justin Stenstrom. He is a nationally acclaimed life coach, best-selling author, and speaker. He's the founder of EliteManMagazine.com and the host of the Elite Man podcast, where he interviews world-class experts every week. Once anxious, insecure, depressed, and unhappy, Justin has overcome many of life's greatest obstacles, and he loves nothing more than to help others do the same. And coming up in May, Justin is holding the 2017 Elite Man Conference in Boston, Massachusetts, and that website is EliteManConference.com, and of course, we'll put this all in the show notes. Welcome to the show, Justin. Hey, Al. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I want to hear about your journey because, you know, insecurity, unhappy, panic attacks, you know, you, you sounded like a mess. So <laughs> I'd love to hear, uh, you know, what the state that you were in, and then let's hear about what prompted you down the journey to, to, to kick ass and take some names in life. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you asking me. So for me, my whole self-help journey, like transformational uh, personal growth journey started about 10 years ago, um, back when I was in, uh, I believe, junior, senior year of high school. And as you mentioned, I had a lot of problems going on. So I had panic attacks three to four times a week. I had anxiety all the time. Um, I was severely depressed to the point where I was actually like having suicidal thoughts like regularly. And I also had like no social life, no confidence and no friends. So it was just really just a culmination of a lot of really bad things kind of building up over time. And, you know, just sort of hit me one day and it was like I look around and all these negative things are happening to me all the time. My life was just completely miserable. So um, it all changed for me. Like it, it kind of went down this path one day. I'm sitting on my couch watching um, that, that show Sons of Anarchy. It was like the first season it came back, it came out. So it kind of, you know, gives you you guys some perspective on on the date of this. Um, remember like sitting there, it was like episode one or two, like the first episode. And I'm like sitting there, like kind of recognizing that it's like a good show and that it's like, you know, entertaining and stuff. But I'm literally just every couple moments thinking about suicide. Like, why am I here? I'm so depressed. Like what, like just completely, um, miserable with my life. Why, you know, should I just end it all? Like having these reoccurring thoughts over and over again throughout the episode. And I realized, um, that at that moment I had to make a big change. And so long story short, I just kind of dove right into this thing. I dove into researching everything under the sun, you know, all kinds of self-help topics, A to Z about, um, you know, how to, how to fix depression, how to overcome it, um, naturally how to treat it. Cause I didn't want to go down the whole like prescription route. And, you know, I was kind of scared of that, to be honest, like I didn't want to have a, a dependency on, on drugs, prescription drugs. And, you know, for some people they have to do that and I don't, you know, knock that at all. But for me, I didn't, I didn't want to go that route. So, um, long story short, I spent, you know, the next six months to uh, a year just kind of trying everything I could to, to get myself out of this and pull myself out of the these problems I had with anxiety and panic attacks and the depression. And slowly but surely, I was able to pull myself out of it and, um, you know, get myself back to kind of baseline, like ground zero of just being like normal again, like being a normal 17, 18 year old guy again. Um, and then from that point forward, I just kind of started taking these other things on, like, you know, the social problems I had, the dating problems I had, um, and then kind of, you know, built the confidence up over time from that point. What was it in the moment of, you know, that's awful despair, you know, and obviously you had the impetus to not, you know, go kill yourself and instead said, all right, I'm going to go and try to figure this out. What were some of the avenues you went to with self-help there? Did you pick up one book that then led to another? Did you listen to a podcast? Like what was it that kind of sparked it to go, all right, there might be something here and I want to keep, keep digging. Um, it was a lot of kind of trial and error. Like I found a bunch of stuff at first that I thought, you know, kind of, you know what the cool thing is though? I, I tried a ton of stuff and just kind of threw stuff at the wall and a lot of it didn't work. But the, the, the great thing is 
Um, as soon as I went online and started looking stuff up, I realized that there was a ton of other people like this. Like there was a ton of other people going through these problems. There was a million solutions out there. You know, even though a lot of it wasn't working for me at first, I had like hope for the first time that I could figure this out. So, I mean, just trying like different programs, courses online, you know, I paid for a bunch of like cheap, you know, eBooks and, and watched a ton of videos on YouTube kind of back when YouTube was like starting out and, um, listened to, to everything I could find, you know, Tony Robbins, Eckhart Tolle's of the world, the Paul McKenna's, you know, with like self-hypnosis and, um, just, I slowly started getting hope that there was a, there was a way to figure this out, even though at first I couldn't really find anything that stuck with me. Um, but I think it first started changing when I kind of dove into things like self-hypnosis and like the power of now, which is what Eckhart Tolle talks about. Um, and then like from that point forward, I was like, okay, like this is really starting to help me. I'm going to go with this and then kind of, um, you know, took that and, and ran with it going forward. What I love about what you did is because it's something I talk to a lot of people about who, you know, may be unhappy or in that same situation. And I always kind of give the example, I'm like, well, listen, here's the thing. Like if you wanted to be a welder, a painter, a writer, anything in life, uh, you, even if you don't take a class on it, right? You may go pick up some brushes at the store, mess around, maybe you'll look online for a YouTube painting thing. You, you go to the people that know what they're doing to learn from, right? And so the same thing goes with happiness, right? There are people out there that have been through this and overcome it. So go and become a student of those people. There are books about how to be happy. Maybe those people have something to say. You know what I mean? It's like you, you do have to, and some people can't take the step, and those are people that might be candidates, like you said, for, you know, know, uh, antidepressants are a real true like Western medical intervention, but a lot of times you, you can do it on your own. I did it myself as well. And I just love that because you, you did what's so natural. You didn't run to someone else to tell you what was wrong with you, you know, and not to say that that's not nothing wrong with that either to go to a psychiatrist or anything like that, or that there's not coaching and, and help involved along the way. But I love that it was like, let's see what these other people have said. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like for me, it was like, and like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people really do need it. There's like a big, you know, biochemistry problem or, you know, with their neurotransmitters and such. And they need like that intervention with, with, um, medication. But for me, I, I kind of knew that it, or I at least hoped that it wasn't me. And as it turns out, I didn't need that. I didn't need to go down that route. And actually, I'm so happy that I didn't because I honestly feel like in this, you know, kind of Western society that we live in in this day and age, um, people are over over prescribed those types of medications where, like in my case, I actually did go to the psychiatrist um, initially when I was getting like the, the first couple panic attacks because I didn't even know what was. I literally thought I was like going crazy, like I'd end up in a mental hospital or something because I never had a panic attack up until that point. And just like for anyone who's ever had one, you know, like just how crazy they are. It's like insane. Well, it feels like you're dying. It's yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Or like, or like you're having a heart attack or something. Like you just don't know what the heck's happening to you. And that's exactly where I was, you know, 17 years old. I'm getting like my first panic attack. It's like, what, what has happened to me? What's going on? So I initially did go to the doctor, um, actually a psychiatrist for the first day. And they immediately prescribed me anti-anxiety medication. Um, and they told me, you know, to get on this and, you know, we'll try this. If it doesn't work, we're going to give you antidepressants, you know, in a week from now or a couple of weeks or something. And I actually am thankful because I went home that night and, um, you know, my father like saw that, that I had anti-anxiety medication. Now, he didn't know they'd given them to me, but they, he saw them on the counter and kind of said like, you know, you can, there's other, there's other ways of doing this. Like try to kind of figure this out on your own type of thing. Gave me that little speech. Like you can kind of, you, you're stronger than that. You don't necessarily need that. Cause he kind of, he kind of known he'd had some friends that, um, had a lot of bad side effects with that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm thankful that he kind of stepped in and gave me that like power or whatever, like the strength to be like, you know, you can figure this out on your own, Justin, you don't necessarily need that. Um, and, and, and like I said, I think people are obviously like, that's kind of their go-to is like, you know, here's a bunch of medication, take it and hope you feel better. But it's like, there's actually other ways of figuring this out naturally. And you don't necessarily need that in a lot of cases. Right. And even an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication can be a little bit of a bandaid for the actual panic attack, but it's not really addressing the thoughts, the perspective in life that led to those things, right? So, you know, even with those things, you're still going to have to complement it over here or you always have that problem. And I just love that you said, hey, you know, let me try this first, you know, and short of, of course, out there, anyone listening, you know, short of an emergency situation, you're having a panic attack. Yes. You know, go deal with it. But I, I love the fact that you're like, you know, let's try this first. Let's see how this goes. Let me read one book, right? And see how that is. And then, you know, you, you got into it and it, it, it ignited something in your brain that kept 
kept going and led you off of the medicine trail. So I think that that is wonderful and a great example to everybody. You know, maybe try it on your own first, uh, short of, you know, emergency intervention. Um, what does it mean to be an elite man to you? What is What does that mean? Yeah, so an elite man to me, um, and I get this question a lot too, and I love answering it because some people think maybe like there's like a negative connotation with the word elite, or maybe it's like, you know, he's referring to like elitism, like, you know, better than other men or anything like that. It's actually completely the opposite. So elite to me, an elite man is is literally just someone who tries, who works every day to improving himself to be the best man he can be. So you don't even have to be like, you know, a world-class man or like top of your game kind of thing. Like, you know, you're, you're better than everybody else and you're just a master at every, like, you know, different skills. It's literally just anybody who is working every day to be the best man they can be. And that's it. Just being like elite is best to me. That's the same word. And an elite man is just someone who works every day at being the best man they can be, whether that's relationships, health, their fitness, um, business, whatever it is, it's just being the best you can be. And in that be the best that you can be, what are some of the tenets of, I mean, obviously you guys are operating under sort of a different set of paradigms than we are, you know, as women sometimes, and there's different expectations maybe put on men from women and vice versa. And I'm sure that could be confusing to men as well. What, what about the people that are coming to you for coaching? Are there some common themes? Is it usually like insecurity? Is it mostly dating? Is it, I need confidence? Um, I'm sure it's all of the above really, but I'd love, I'd love to get into that because I think confidence is a huge thing. And I know that you're big on really, you know, helping people achieve that inner self-confidence. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question too. It's like, um, I, I work with a lot of men and, and like you said, all those topics are, are usually the big ones they'll come for. Um, and I started off actually as it is giving dating advice. Cause that was my big thing when I first kind of broke into the self-help world of helping other people. Um, personal growth. It was like, that was the coolest thing that I learned how to do. Cause you know, up until for the first 18 years of my life, I never had a girlfriend, never, I never kissed a girl, never like knew how to talk to girls. It was always that awkward guy when it came to attracting the opposite sex. And then when I finally figured that out, you know, after figuring out the depression, the anxiety issues, it was like, wow, this is really cool. Like I finally get to connect with um, you know, women I'm attracted to or like women I've always wanted to communicate with and, you know, have like fun, flirty conversations. So like when I started doing that, it was like other guys started coming to me like, you know, what are you doing? Because they noticed a change in me. They're like, you know, what are you doing to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, have have these girls around you all the time, like talking to them and you know having great conversations and going out on dates and having having like basically just having a blast um, and being able to attract all these women and was like, you know, I, I, I kind of like have a, a little process that I use and it was just um, a system that I'd come up with uh, through studying the stuff online and trying it in person, you know, different ways of communicating. But now it's like, you know, guys primarily will come to me and it's like, you know, how do I, um, how do I talk to girls when, you know, for the first 30 years of my life, I don't, I've never had a good conversation with a girl. How do I, what do I do on a first date when I go on a first date? Like, should I, you know, bring her to the movies? Should I um, take her like to uh, mini golf or like, you know, what's kind of a good first date idea or like, you know, how do I get more confidence socially so I can have a great conversation with a woman and know how to, um, you know, actually engage with her and, you know, get to know her better instead of like, you know, awkward small talk, like at a dinner date where it's like, you know, what do you do for work? Oh, I am a, an accountant. What do you do? And it's like, kind of like very tough to have a connection with someone. Oh, the interview dates. Oh, they're horrible. Oh, they're the <laughs> worst. They're horrible. Well, and it, it is also just oftentimes it is, um, it's a chemistry thing, but sometimes it takes like, I've been on a lot of first dates <laughs> and, um, I've been on dates with people that I can sense are awkward and I can sense are kind of just interviewee. And so in that moment, I mean, just being who I am, I, I will usually like step out of that and try to take the conversation another direction, actually help open them up, help give them almost, even though I know I might not be attracted to them, but at least have a decent date and give them a better experience instead of that interview back and forth. So I try to even help out that guy <laughs> even in that even in that moment. But th those are like the worst dates. It's just an exchange of information, and it's really not getting anything about the character of the person. Well, let's get back to the to the confidence in social situations. How? What are some tips and ways that one can start to gain more confidence? in social situations. What do you recommend there? Is that like, hey, go out on a Tuesday and make the, uh, you know, you're going to go talk to a stranger. Like, what are some of the things people can start to do 
to to achieve that. Yeah, so I, I love talking about this kind of stuff because it's basically like when you have this down, when you get like your social confidence down, when you feel good about yourself, you can literally transition this into anything. So you can transition this into, you know, talking to women on a, on a first date. You can transition this into giving a speech at, say, a presentation or a business meeting, you know, at a negotiation where you have to kind of be, you know, more confident about what you're saying, what you're talking about, sales, any of this stuff. It like transitions into so many things. So the uh, one of the big things I'll talk about is actually pretending to be great at first. So this is um, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually um, one of the more controversial things I'll talk about when it comes to social confidence. And I, when I first mentioned it, it's like you know people will be like, oh, you know, like why are you going to pretend to be someone you're not, or pretend to be you know like great when like you know, it's, it's like pretend is like kind of this taboo word in like the self um, development world. It's like you can't pretend to be somebody, but it's actually a really, really beneficial way to get confidence as quickly as possible. For someone who doesn't have confidence, they don't know what confidence looks like. Um, it's the easiest way to sort of step into that role of having confidence. So I, I'll tell a guy, um, think of, of the most confident man, you know, and, you know, maybe it's like Conor McGregor, that UFC fighter, or like, you know, James Bond, Muhammad Ali, one of these guys who has just incredible, incredible confidence, you know, everything they say, the way they hold themselves, the way they speak, um, the way they, they, their body languages, everything about them just speaks unbelievable confidence. I want you to really picture that guy for a moment and just kind of take in everything about him when he's, when he's interacting with people. And the next time you go out, whether that's, um, again, a, a social situation, like, you know, interacting with people, maybe you're, you're trying to, um, you know, be the life of the party or just kind of have great conversations with people when you go to a cocktail party, or maybe you're, um, at, at a business meeting and you want to give a, a phenomenal presentation, or maybe you go out on a date with a woman and you want to just, you know, really connect with her and engage with her and show her your best side. Pretend that you're this incredibly confident man for, you know, the first few minutes when you go out, the first you know, 10, 20 minutes when you walk into that door, just step into that role of being Conor McGregor or someone like him. And what's going to happen is two things are going to happen. You're going to actually, because you don't know what confidence looks, you don't know what it really feels like because you haven't sort of stepped into this role. You've stepped into this um, role of, of being like a, a quiet, maybe shy guy before. Um, now you're stepping into this new role that you have inside you already, by the way. Like this isn't something, you know, that's completely foreign to you, although you may think it is at first. You're stepping into this new role of being incredibly confident and you're going to start to feel better about yourself because you're, you're, you're assuming this new identity of being a super confident man. And then, so that's going to happen. And the other thing is going to happen is people are going to start to treat you differently. So you're starting, you're going to start to get this different feedback and this is, this is going to also sort of retrain you, like train the back of your mind, your subconscious mind of um, that you're, you're someone who actually has confidence. So you're going to feel confidence initially, like consciously, but then subconsciously by all these cues you're getting from your environment, the way people engage you differently, the way they may smile at you different or laugh at your jokes or whatever you're saying, um, you know, show you a little more respect because you're a confident man. All these things are going to trigger the subconscious, you know, back of your mind and it's going to start to really take shape. And so this role that you're playing, maybe you do it a couple more times and you go out. Um, but over time, it's not even like you have to kind of, you know, fake this confidence or have like faux confidence here. It actually becomes a real confidence because again, it's, it's training yourself consciously and subconsciously by the feedback you're getting from your environment. Yeah. I mean, listen, fake it till you make it is no joke and acting as if works. It really does. And, you know, uh, I used to tell people all the time, I've mentioned it before cause, uh, I'm also an actor and people would say, you know, how do you, how do you not like get nervous? for auditions and stuff like that. And I go, how about you act like you're not nervous? That's your first acting job right there. And so, <laughs> right, you know, and so the thing is, is that it's this, it's kind of the same goes for you. I always tell the same people too. Sometimes you have to literally pretend. You have to pretend and it may seem like a lie because you may not be confident inside. And we're not, and, and I know you and I are not talking about going on pretending and lying about who you are and like being someone else and saying you're a CEO when you're not. We're not talking about that kind of pretending, right? Yeah. So just to be clear, but, um, it, it, that has, it, you have to, it is like, you, you just pretend you're an actor and you're getting into that role where you're going to act like, you know, Muhammad Ali or, you know, and just pretend. And, and eventually, like you said, people respond differently. That date's going to go different than the last one. And you're going to notice it. It's going to spark that like, Hey, that worked, you know, or Hey, that worked for a while, but maybe I got sidetracked midway through the conversation and got nervous again. Um, what are some of the insecurities when people are going into a date aside from like maybe not the conversation are there 
are they heading into it worried about the what people might think of them? Is that really the main role there? Is it just they're awkward and don't have a lot of experience like with women per se? Yeah, I mean it's kind of both of those things. Like they they obviously want to connect with the woman. They're they're I mean they're obviously attracted to her in you know some way if they wanted to go out on a date with her. So it's like they want to show that they're you know a good enough man to have her or that they're um, they have good qualities about them. And, um, a lot of these guys will worry about that. You know, they haven't done this in a while. They haven't done it ever. Um, and they're not good at it. The, the conversation will be stale. They don't know what to say initially after like the, Hey, how, how are you? Or it's great to see you kind of thing. And it's like, like you said earlier, like a lot of these guys will go out on a date with you. And it's like, the conversation is terrible because they, they're just not good at it. They haven't had that practice, but like, if this is literally like any other skill, the more you practice it, the better you're going to be at it. Like, I did this firsthand personally, like the first six months, maybe even year of learning this kind of stuff, like the dating skills. Um, I was horrible at it. All my conversations were awkward. All my words didn't flow out of me. I couldn't think of things to say. I stumbled. I messed up. Um, I look like an idiot a lot of the time. But the more I practiced it, the more I pushed myself um, to keep doing it, the better I got at it. And I also kind of like developed like a little plan. Like, you know, the more you do something, the more you kind of have like the little quirks and stuff you can kind of, you know, um, pan out and, and, and figure out of like what you want to do for the night or like a good place to take a, a woman. Um, you know, what are some of the things you might want to bring up like conversation things? What are some of the things you want to stay away from? And like I said, the more you do it, this, the easier it's going to flow and the, and the better you're going to be at it. Yeah. And I, I've heard this a lot from people with online dating or dating in general, where let's say someone's about to go on a date. Maybe they've had a nice conversation with the person before. Sometimes, you know, you can even have like a two hour phone conversation with someone before you even meet them and you're getting a really good vibe and maybe even like kind of attracted to their personality. And then people get nervous. And I'm always just like, well, let's just think about that for a second though, because you don't know this person very well. So what you're doing in that moment when you're nervous and fearful is you are giving a person you don't know power over who and what you're feeling. What if you find out on the date, this person is like a horrific drunk or a whor- or like a felon or right? Like, would you be nervous then? Right? <laughs> would you be nervous then? No, you'd be like, screw this chick, right? I'm, I can't even believe I went on a date with her. So I feel like people give a lot of other people credit and power in, you know, what their potential opinion might be. I've even heard women say online dating's tough with all this rejection. Uh, I email people and they don't email me back. And I say, what if you found out that person was like a convicted felon or beat his last wife? Would you be offended then? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So I also feel like go into it with, I like the whole idea of just, hey, you know, make it a like experiment. I have a friend who was really, really uncomfortable for years, really had his first friend at age 35. So we're talking about a very socially awkward person who had to even have a social coach go with him in public and help him like go talk to people. So it was really tough for him. But then he just started to look at the dates like, you know what? Maybe I meet a friend, maybe I learn something or a quality that I like or I don't like in a person. It's just a date. It's just a getting to know. And when you walk in with nerves, you are giving that person a lot of credit to come at it from a like, hey, this may be a fit. It may not be. I'm just going to, you know, enjoy this, have a good conversation. And you know what I mean? Just take it more as an experiment versus, oh, my God, I've got to play this right and kick ass at it because you may find out this person isn't even worth all of that. You know what I'm saying there? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree 100 percent. And it's like that, too, in a lot of different things in life. Like people will put way too much pressure on it um, initially. And it's like you don't even know like what you're doing, like say a, jo- a job interview or something like that. You know, they go to a job interview and they have all these high expectations and they're so nervous because they want to get the job. And it's like, you know, you don't even know how the job's going to be yet. Like why are you placing, you know, maybe it's a great job. Maybe it is you know, the dream job that you want, but it's like, you really don't even know yet. So why are you getting yourself all worked up and kind of setting yourself up for failure before it even happens? And I just see it, you know, all too often. It's like, it happens way too often. And the other thing too, um, is like, even if you do, like if the date doesn't work out, if you're on a date with the, with the woman, um, or say, you know, a, a, a woman's listening to this podcast. Now you're out on a date with a man. It's like, even if it doesn't work out well, you guys don't have a connection or maybe um, they don't respond back to your text and they kind of blow you off and don't show up, whatever it is, it's like they're not even rejecting you because they don't even really know who you are. All you've done is communicated with them maybe a couple of times um, through online dating or through text or maybe you met them once in person, but do they really know like who you are, like what your values are, what you stand for, what your core um, messages, like everything that makes up who you are, your character. No, they, of course they don't. And so it's like really 
um, superficial to think that you can, you're actually being, or that that person is rejecting you because it doesn't work out because they don't really know the real you. They just know, you know, the surface of you for whatever couple of minutes you interacted or talked to. So that's another kind of way to look at it too. Yeah, I do. I do like that perspective. And it's, it's, yeah, that's really interesting. The whole, <laughs> the whole dating thing is, is, is pretty funny. I try to, you know, when I can, and usually I do, I, I think it's so important. Don't you, it, it's tough maybe with someone who's got social nerves to have an initial phone conversation with person, but I want to get into something that really irks me about dating. And I wish men, and I'm just going to say it, you guys got to stop the texting. <laughs> I like, just here's the memo, guys. If a woman gives you her number, don't text her right away. It is such a manly, awesome thing when you pick up the phone and call her because it rarely happens nowadays. Now, it's not to say that you couldn't text and say, hey, I'd love to chat with you. Do you have a few minutes? But when you get involved in getting to know someone over text, do you know so many things, as you know, could be misconstrued, tone, et cetera, and you haven't even met the person. And these days, because so many guys hide behind the crutch of texting, it just feels like such a manly, awesome thing when a guy just picks up the phone and calls you. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so rare nowadays. So that's my big suggestion to guys like this texting thing, I think is a a problem. Yeah, no, I, I love that actually suggestion. I really wish more guys would start doing that because you're right. You can communicate so much more effectively through phone um, you know, your voice, your tone of voice, the way you say things, you know, if you have like a little um, sarcasm in there, like you're, you're telling a joke or something, like all that stuff can get conveyed much better. Um, but even better than that, I would suggest like a guy will text initially um, and set up the date like as quickly as possible. Like when, in, you know, you don't want to say, let's hang out right now, let's hang out tomorrow. But within a few days, just all my advice is for texting for when I give guys advice is literally, and then guys are kind of like, um, a little shocked when I say this because I'm not a big texter myself. I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't like it. Um, and there's so many things you can kind of misconstrue or or not um, communicate effectively. So my big advice when I'm talking about texting is literally just set up the the time for you to guys to get together, the date as quickly as possible, and then let it go. Like you want to interact even better than talking on the phone. You want to interact face to face. So you can you can communicate a hundred times more effectively than you could face to face. I mean, through on the phone, and even more effectively than you can communicate just on the um, through texting. So, um, well, well, okay, but I, what about the fact that you know? Because here's the thing, <clears throat> I would never go on a date with a guy that I didn't speak to first, mm-hmm. because I feel like I can gauge some kind of vibe through someone's voice, their demeanor on the phone. That's not to say people are all great on the phone, but there is some sort of general kind of feeling that I get on whether I do or don't want to even meet that person. And I don't know. So, so I'm, that part's a little tricky for me because I, I suggest to my guy friends, I'm like, cause, cause in this world, especially like where we live in LA, like you waste a lot of time driving two hours to and from somewhere to meet someone. And then you're like, Oh my God, had I just spoken to them for two minutes on the phone? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. I could have avoided this. And so there is a part of me that feels like it's a time waster if you don't do that. However, I agree with you on the one end where if you are not skilled at it and you need the practice, it is better to set up as many dates as you can and just go on them in person. Totally. I, I actually 100% agree. It's way easier and would save so much time both ways if you could just pick up the phone and call someone. The only thing with that is that nowadays in 2017 going forward and you know whatever it is, for whatever reason, it's like if you get a call from someone and, and it's not like pre-planned out or if you're calling a woman you just maybe met online, um, a lot of the times she's not going to answer the phone unless it's like pre-planned. You're set up like, oh, can I – like I like I like what you said earlier. Like, oh, let me – can I uh, – you know, if you got a couple minutes, can I chat with you for on the phone for a minute? And, and then, of course, they'll pick up if they say yeah. But if it's like, yeah, a guy wants to just kind of call out of the blue, nine times out of ten, women will not pick up. And it just kind of leaves them hanging, like kind of awkward, like, or even some women will say, and I've heard this, um, you know, why is this guy calling me on the phone? Why doesn't he just text me? And and it's like, we've kind of gotten into this texting age. So mixed messages, there's yeah. a little mixed messages there, I'm sure to guys. And they feel like some, I've heard from guys are like, some women are more comfortable with texting and I get yeah. that. But as, as you and I both agree, it's, it's hiding behind something a little bit more as a crutch. And if you can get out of it as much as you can, um, I'm, I'm there's kind of, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm on both sides of that coin. Um, I do like the idea of, you know, also to the other thing that's happened is, you know, give someone's like, Hey, let's chat on the phone. You know, can I call you and you give them their number? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they may like call you in the car 
and they've got five minutes left and it's like a quick half ass. It's better, I think, as a guy to like pre-plan and go, hey, you know, if you have time tonight, I'd love to to chat with you, you know, what works for you. And then like set a date for that phone call. It's kind of like a pre-date. And I do like that. It's very gentlemanlike. And um, I just suggest guys don't be calling in, you know, you're walking into the Starbucks and you call the girl for the first time, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's horrible too, and that you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of guys will use the whole texting thing as a crutch. And the worst thing I'll hear at all this stuff is that you know this guy was like super confident, you know, over the top, like funny, and just really, really bold and kind of even cocky, you know, through texting. And then he shows up in person, and he's a he's a total dud, and it's just completely opposite of how he acted through text. Whereas if he had that call, like you said, you would have figured that out within about a minute. Yeah, and I, but then again, I've had situations where I've spent like two hours on the phone with something, having an awesome conversation, totally excited to meet this person. You meet them in person and right away it's like zero chemistry, right? So even a positive buildup, you still have to, you can't walk into that date with like expectations. Just be like, I had, that was a great phone conversation. I hope this works out. I'm kind of already interested in this person, but then there's something to be said about person to person chemistry and getting back to your point about someone feeling rejected and saying, Hey, they're not rejecting you because they don't know you. I feel the same way even about attraction. I mean, if we really, really think about it, let's say someone just doesn't feel chemistry for you or they're not attracted to you. What's wrong with that? So what, like, why, why take that personally? It's like some people like, I'm a short woman. Some people like tall women. They want long legs. I don't have them. I'm not offended. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like tall men, and, and that's my thing, you know? So it's like, well, oh, sorry that you're 5'6", and I'm only 5'2", and I know you're taller than me, but we all have our things. There's nothing to be offended by, right? People have preferences. So even in that case, you can't take personal offense, like, oh, I'm not good looking enough or whatever. It's like, hey, why would you even want to be with someone who wasn't attracted to you anyway? Just take it as a like, hey, we all have our preferences. You know, there was no chemistry. And so I feel people need to just take all of this lighter. Yeah, uh, that's a great point as well. Like everyone's going to um, have what they want to do or, or what they're attracted to. Uh, maybe the, the kind of future they have in mind. And if it's not aligned with somebody else, it's like everyone has their own preferences. And if it doesn't align with yours as, you know, three billion other people on the planet who you can uh, you can talk to them that might have that probably do have, you know, a lot of the more similar um, preferences that you have. So it's like, you know, there's so many fish in the sea, as they say, it's like, why well, get hung up on one person? And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have that kind of mindset of like, oh, I have to I have to attract this woman. You know, she looks great and I want to be with her because she's beautiful. But it's like, you know, can look between look, um, you know, b more below the surface of like what you actually just see it, you know, on the outside. And same thing goes with, with, with women looking at men. It's like, yeah, maybe this guy has a great job and he's tall and handsome. Um, but like, yeah, you actually get to know this person. It's like, yeah, he actually doesn't really align with what I want for my future. You know, he doesn't want kids or he doesn't want to, you know, settle down soon. It's like, there's so many other guys out there. It's like, why get hung up and waste your time on someone who doesn't fit these, um, criteria or these preferences that you have? What about this? Um, there's one thing that I find kind of interesting, and I realize that in this dating age, people are wanting to prove that they're not a serial killer, right? <laughs> so a lot of guys are like, here, check out my website, right? Like, here's my first and last name. Check out my website, or here's a link to a YouTube, whatever it is. And I get that because they're trying to say like, hey, you can look me up. I'm Googleable, and I'm not a crazy person. But then there's this other aspect where, so I, so being who I am, I, and, and I have, there's like, you could obviously Google me and find all of these interviews, right? You could even kind of go see me on a TV show. There's lots of things. And I usually don't give out my last name and try not to get Googled because I don't want someone to try to get to know me that way or be impressed or overly impressed by something that's on my resume. That's not who I am, right? I mean, it's a part of who I am. And so the same goes the other way. Like I really try to not Google people at all. And even if someone gives me, they're like, here's my link to my whatever, I don't even look at it. I actually don't even look at it. I just go, I don't even want to know whatever's on your resume or whatever I see online is not who you are, right? I still can't tell anything about your character, whether you're a good person, whether you're going to treat someone well, right? Whether you're funny. I can't tell that through your, your resume online, but I understand, you know, guys wanting to do that. But so I, I kind of stay away from Google because you can go down that hole, right? And then you're in this thing where you think you know this person, right? Because you've now listened to what? All my podcasts or what? You know what I'm saying? And it's just sort of this false sense. And I also feel like it can be a little creepy, right? Yeah. <laughs> where, where, you know what I mean? I've had people Google me that I didn't know did somehow, whatever, through phone number or whatever. And 
And then we'll like be like, oh, wow, you know, I Googled you impressive or da, 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 da. And it feels awkward. It feels a little invasive and it feels like, well, that's not me. I don't want you to get to know me that way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I stay away from that too. I mean, I'm, I'm in a relationship now anyway. So I, for the last couple of years, I haven't had to worry about that too much. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. It's kind of creepy. It's kind of weird. Um, just because it's there, like we're in the new digital age now and everything's online and everything's Google, Google, <laughs> um, doesn't mean you should go out and do it. And, and also kind of, you know, going back to that original point a few minutes ago, where it's like, you're, you're kind of, you want to, you're basically screening people to see if they fit the type of man or, or woman you want to be with. And you do that in person. It's the, literally the best way to do it is, is, you know, sitting across from them or going on a date with them um, and, and spending an hour or whatever, half hour, a couple hours with them on a date and actually getting to talk to them, communicate with them, ask, you know, what their hobbies are, what their interests are, what they're passionate about, all these things, have great conversation with them. That's literally the best. And in my opinion, the only way to effectively figure out if this person's right for you. And, you know, it, it, uh, just kind of wasting more time, like when you're going out and listening, you know, say if someone's trying to you know, take you out on a date alley, listening to all your podcasts and watching your YouTube videos and, you know, checking out your website. It's like, why invest all this time, you know, hours probably looking into somebody when the best way to do it is to literally just take this person on a date and, and find out in person if they're a good you know, fit for you. Right. And also they could listen to all those podcasts, look at all my pictures, do everything, and then meet me in person and be like, I'm not interested. So you might get worked up over nothing too. <laughs> you might get overly excited or, or, or it might be, might be like, oh, I don't like what you said on that podcast. I'm going to judge her. Um, let's talk. I want to talk about like a couple of like examples, objections of things that kind of go on with, you know, the dating thing. Let's talk about, uh, all right. So let's talk about the first date. Cause here's the thing. So for me, I have learned, I, I try to not do dinner on the first date. Um, part of it is, is because I'm sensitive to the fact that guys are out there usually paying for women and I'm not looking for a free dinner, first of all, but there's a part of me that feels a little bad because usually, and as I'm sure you've known through dating, you, you can kind of tell in the first few minutes if you're attracted or if there's some kind of chemistry, right? And so sometimes when it's obvious that there's not, now I'm sitting through a whole dinner and they've just paid for my dinner and that makes me feel, uh for some reason. And, um, I also like the idea of, you know, meeting for a more quiet, loungy place for a drink, non-alcoholic or alcoholic, whatever. And being able to just talk and, and then you have kind of a nice out. You're not in this thing. And then also too, no one's lost a hundred bucks on, you know, guys are, that's that, you know, I know it's expected of you and we all appreciate that, but you know, we're all in this together too. And I feel like, I've heard from a lot of guys in LA where there's been women who are like, oh, I won't go on a date unless it's dinner. And I think that's rude. And, um, you know, what do you suggest for a first date? I've also had people be like, Hey, let's meet for coffee during the day. That's not very datey and romantic -y, Right. And that, that doesn't usually to me work well. Um, what's your suggestion for like a first date? So I, I actually love a lot of the things you said there. Um, and I'm totally against the first date being, either a dinner or a movie date for a couple of reasons. And some of them you already kind of out outlined. Um, it's just for one, it, it, it kind of sets high expectations. So first date's always very high pressure anyways, like both people are a little awkward, kind of trying to feel the situation out. And there's a lot of tension and pressure sort of in the air. Um, and going to like a, a typical proverbial movie date or dinner and a movie date, either one of those, um, it just kind of raises that bar even higher and, and, and kind of sets you guys both up for failure. And like you mentioned, they're, they're often typically really expensive and the male has to pay. Um, or, you know, he kind of looks like a jerk if he doesn't offer to pay or whatever. So like you said, I like that you kind of said that you don't like putting that guy in that position. Um, and then the other thing too, is that these dates, these dinner dates, these movie dates are often not really great places to actually have uh, a conversation and get to know the other person. For instance, you know, you have a big plate of food that comes out in front of you and, you know, you're just kind of sitting there like eating for picking out food, you know, maybe the appetizer comes out or the bread and you're like sitting there eating. Like people usually have like kind of a little awkwardness when they're eating in front of someone else they don't know. Um, so you're kind of like sitting there eating for like a half hour, an hour. And it, it gets, <laughs> it gets a little weird, like, you know, just trying to have like a, a conversation and pretend like, you know, there's not this big sort of stigma with the date you're on. And I've just found like dinner dates are kind of like the conversations that happen during dinner dates are very, uh, superficial and very, 
um, very flat kind of plain conversation. Same thing with a movie. Like you're sitting actually in a movie and if you, you know, picture this, you're actually facing the, that's no conversation. <laughs> yeah. You're facing the movie, the, the screen. So you're not even facing each other and you're actually watching a movie for two hours in the dark and it's loud because obviously the sounds and everything. So you really can't have any type of conversation in that environment. So I actually, um, have, uh, tell guys to avoid those, those two places as much as possible. And then things to do maybe instead of that, I mean, there's a number of options, but I always like doing something where there's like an activity involved. So you guys can actually maybe do something together, takes away the tension, you know, from being awkward kind of first date type of thing. And, you know, you actually get to interact and maybe kind of have some fun. So things like maybe going uh, mini golfing or, or bowling or even like an outside festival, you get to kind of walk around. Um, talk a bit and, and just kind of do like little things, maybe talk, uh, go through some shops and like check some things out and, you know, whatever it is, just something physical where you're, where you're maybe even like, I like how you mentioned that the lounge thing too, where that's really cool. Kind of, kind of low key, like not like, you know, you're going to a bar to like drink and, you know, get, get as um, drunk as possible. But it's also like, maybe you have a drink or two and it's like, you kind of lighten the tension, lighten the mood a bit and you have like better conversation. You're kind of, you know, let, let your guard down a bit and get to kind of open up. So those are all like really great ideas. And, and I think just keep in mind something like this going forward. If you have a date, it's like, you don't want to be stuck sitting across from a guy for an hour. If you don't like him initially, like you said, um, you don't want to have that boring conversation or you don't want to go to like a place like the movie theater where you don't get to have a conversation, do something, you get to move around and kind of have some fun in and actually enjoy the date. Yeah. I, and the dinner thing, getting back to that, all of the distractions, the waiters coming up, the plates, da, 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 there's so many, uh, distractions to disrupt the flow of focus when it's just you and a person and you've already ordered like the drink. Do you know what I mean? Then mm. you're just, it's just the two of you, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's a, that's a great way to get to know someone. I want to ask you about, um, what your thoughts are on this. Uh, and again, maybe it's LA. I don't know. Maybe it's everywhere. I've heard this so much and it really bums me out as a female that any woman would do this, but I've heard it a lot from guys where they're on a date and the woman literally is like, either ask them what kind of car they drive or how much they make. What the hell do you say in that situation? I mean, honestly, if it were me and I guy, I'd look at the person, I'd be like, the fact that you asked me that question means we're ending this date now. Like, that's my attitude kind of about it. Uh, that's pretty brutal. But I actually, I would be like, you're a B and I'm out of here. You know, that's just, to me, so offensive, so rude, so superficial. I can understand where a woman might be coming from on that, especially if they're looking for someone as a provider or family member. But that is just so rude. So how would you as a guy deal with that if someone is asking you questions like that that are, to use an old school term, so gauche, you know? <laughs> yeah, that that is a um, you know, tough kind of thing to handle. And I guess it really comes down to the the, the situation. Every situation is going to be different. And maybe if, she, if you're getting to know her um, and you guys have, you know, really connected and it's been like a few hours and it's like, you guys are bouncing all kinds of questions and thoughts and exchanging ideas and information back and forth with each other. Then like something like that comes up. It's not really a big deal, but I guess, you know, within the first few minutes or something, it's kind of like you guys haven't even connected. You don't even really know the person. Um, you probably want to just avoid that if it comes up, maybe just kind of, you know, deflect the topic or say something like, Oh, I make, you know, I make a you know pretty good amount of money or, Oh, I have a really nice car. Like, you know, I, I think, you know, answering that specifically is just kind of like falling into that trap of, right. I like the deflection <laughs> of just like, well, I'm, re I'm really happy with what yeah. I make. I'm really happy with what I earn and just kind of like stop it in its tracks and not, you know, hopefully they wouldn't push it. I still feel like that happens on a lot of first dates and that what a rude first date thing to ask. Um, but I know guys get hit with it a lot. So yeah, that's a good thing. Just sort of make a, a kind of generic answer. Yeah. Yeah. Just deflect it and kind of hope she gets the hint like, yeah, like, oh, maybe, you know, I shouldn't ask that. And you got to move on to the next topic and keep the conversation going. If it's someone, again, that you want to like continue to to get to know if, if like she comes out and is really rude with that initially. I mean, you could honestly just end the date there and just like if you don't have a connection, just be like, you know what? I don't think it's really working out <laughs> and then just maybe pick up and, and say thanks for for getting together. But, you know, I mean, I tell guys all the time, you know, don't waste your time if you know it's not going to work out. So if it's it's blatantly something rude like that and it truly offends you, I mean, that's to me, that's not something like a deal breaker on the spot. But like some guys, maybe it would be. And um, if you know it is a deal breaker, then don't waste your time or hers. Yeah. And I know that this is a here's the common thread I hear from people. So. Guys have the complaint that they meet the girl and they don't look like their photos or they're, they 
cheated at such that they're really overweight or they're much older than their photos, right? So not accurate representation. Bums me out that anyone would misrepresent themselves because guess what? People, when you meet them in person, they're going to find out. Um, and for guys, they always lie about their height. So that <laughs> that's, that's kind of the theme there. But in a scenario like that where you walk in and you have been absolutely already misled, right, in some obvious way, I've had guy friends who have literally said, hey, listen, no offense, but you really misrepresented who you were and who I was meeting. And I just don't think that was very fair. And the first impression I'm getting right now is that you lied and that you're insecure about who you are and not comfortable in yourself. And I'm not comfortable continuing this date, you know? So those are tough moments, you know, because again, I wouldn't want to go through that. I actually went on a date with someone who literally wasn't even the guy of the, he put like a photo of his cousin up or I don't know who, but it wasn't him. (laughs) And I remember being like, Oh my God. And I had like one drink with the person. I was still trying to figure out and look at them and go, is there any way that that could have been, am I misunderstanding that? And I was honest with them. I said, you know what? Listen, the first impression you're giving is that you're a liar. In the world of online dating, that's the first impression you just get gave. And that you're insecure of who you are. If you're lying about your actual photo and who you are and you misled me to this date, what else are you? You know, first impressions are important. And in this online dating world or just even blind dating world, first impressions you know, mean a lot. So, you know, what would you say to a guy who shows up on a date and it's like, she's 400 pounds and said she was athletic and fit? (laughs) Um, I actually, I think what you said is probably the best way to handle it. Now, can every guy do that? Is every guy going to be able to say, you know, sorry, you you misrepresented yourself. Um, You know, I appreciate you coming out here, but I I, I don't want to continue the date. And then, you know, just go home. Is every guy, every guy going to be able to do that or every woman going to be able to do that when a guy lies about his height and shows up or no. puts his different yeah. picture up? No, most people aren't going to be able to do that. So, you know, to kind of do uh, maybe what you did and sit down for a couple of minutes and maybe have one drink and then kind of bring it up because it's not something you honestly want to go forward with doing. Um, or have a drink and then leave or like end the date a little bit shorter. Yeah. 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 Like you kind of end it like, I mean, I guess you maybe you, you'd be a little nice about it and kind of you could do it that way. But I mean, honestly, I think that the first way is probably the best way. Like if someone's going to blatantly lie about something like that, I would just come out and say it. Um, and, you know, as soon as I get there, like, I, I don't want to continue this date. I'm sorry, but I feel like you've misrepresented yourself. And, um, you know, the pictures you put online are not you or, you know, maybe they were you 10 years ago, but they're not you now. And, um, you know, not to be superficial, I just think you kind of lied or misrepresented yourself. And I would rather just not continue. So, yeah, I think that's a perfect way to handle it. I'd like to have you back on and we should do like a whole hour on, on men's dating online dating profiles <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I have, a, I could like go on for now, but, 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 but in wrapping up, I want to talk about your conference. Uh, let's talk about the 2017 elite men conference. It's going to be in Boston, Massachusetts. It's May. What, what are people going to learn from this conference? Tell us what that's about. Yeah. So uh, thanks for asking. Al. I appreciate it. Um, so the conference is uh, May 27th, 28th in Boston, Mass. Um, at the Holiday Inn, which is uh, the one in Boston, Brookline. It's literally like a mile away from Fenway Park and uh, Harvard, like landmarks like that. So it's a really great location. Uh, but we're going to have 30 experts, over 30 expert speakers um, giving their best advice, whether that's business advice, health, fitness, dating, as we've talked about today, confidence, and basically becoming the best version of yourself, basically the best man you can be, like that whole elite man concept we talked about Um every single day working to be the best you can be in as many areas as possible. And, you know, in this conference, we have like all those areas covered. We have the business side, we have the health, the fitness side, the confidence side, the dating side, and um, really just a great group of, of speakers and also men coming. We're, gonna, we're having uh, hundreds of guys come to this event. So just awesome. I'm like, hey, can I get a free ticket? That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so there's just great group of guys coming, great speakers, obviously presenting and giving top, you know, world-class advice and then just awesome guys, you know, there you can connect with, meet and interact with, hang out with. And, uh, you know, I really pride myself too on this conference with getting, um, the interactions between the speakers and the, and the attendees who come. So like a lot of conferences you'll go to and like you have an awesome speaker up there, you know, great guy you follow or something. Um, but all they have is like that speech on stage and they get up and leave all our speakers. Actually, um, we have like VIP tickets and such where it's like, you get to hang out with all these people get to, even if you don't have VIP, even if you just get a regular ticket though, you get to hang out with them, get like breakout session, individualized coaching with the speakers and, you know, in person at the conference and, you know, build, really build relationships with some of these people you follow on, you know, podcasts or on websites, YouTube, et cetera. So it's really cool. It's a great experience and just kind of, 
um, really transformational in a lot of ways for any guy. Or even, you know, if there's some women out there who want to come as well, like all of our vi- all of our advice is really applicable to both sexes. But it is called the Elite Man Conference, just to say. That that is awesome. Uh, what what would you like to leave our audience with before we go? Oh, actually, before I say that, um, you do coaching, so let's talk about that. So people can reach out to you through your website, and and you do coaching over the phone, Skype, or in person. How does that work with you in coaching men? Yeah, so my the coaching I do is is ninety nine percent of it's through Skype. Some of it will be through um, phone if people don't have Skype or they don't want the option. But it's all virtual coaching through Skype, and I'll do. Um, breakout sessions on dating advice, on confidence, on you know people who have fears about getting over your fears and just taking your life by the horns and figuring out your purpose as a man. I do coaching every single day with guys um, and, and figuring figuring out these areas. So if you're interested at all, just shoot me an email. I'll actually, I'll give you my uh, private email, my Justin at Elite Man Magazine dot com email and uh you know just ask me about any of the coaching i have if you have any problems we talked about a lot of dating advice today uh but i can really go into that as well and and really kind of give you some some awesome advice in that area or confidence or if you have fears and stuff you want to fi- kind of figure out where you're going in your life uh, i can definitely help you out with that so justin at elitemanmagazine.com great and we will of course um elitemanmagazine.com we'll put all of the links in the show notes any other thoughts you'd like to leave men or women or everyone in our audience with on on your life lessons that you've learned um just know that no matter where you are in your life no matter how bad it is right now for you or whatever challenge or struggle you may be facing there's always a solution out there i learned this years ago when i was you know in my deepest darkest moments of depression and anxiety um, I can overcome any challenge that comes my way. And quite honestly, there's nothing in me that isn't in any one of your, any one of the, the people listening right now. Everybody has that drive inside them to survive, to succeed, to thrive. And you have that in you to change your life. Whatever it is you're facing right now, as long as you work hard, push yourself, get the resources, the information you need, there's a solution out there for you. So whether it's listening to a podcast like this or something else um, that's going to drive you and give you great information and and advice, just keep driving and and pushing yourself. And uh, uh, there is a solution out there for your problems. I love it. Perseverance absolutely pays. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining us. And we'll have you back on soon, I hope. Thanks, Al. I appreciate that. Hi folks, Mark Sisson here, and I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.